Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the channel. Sorry I didn't have a video up for yesterday. Um, yep, life happens, but uh, we're getting back on track and uh, I put up a long video over the weekend and uh, just to kind of see how everybody reacts and actually the response is pretty decent. I don't expect it to be for everybody, but I know there are some people like me out there who do a lot of driving, spend a lot of time behind the wheel or working and, you know, wearing your little earbud. Uh, while you're working just to have that going in the background and I listen to other people's stories just like some of you listen to mine and uh, I think it's nice to throw a little bit of long form content up there once in a while it's not something I want to do every day of course but uh yeah thanks for the feedback and uh hope everybody enjoys it all right let's read some stories automating your paperwork got an old one here from back when I worked for a repair depot for a major electronics box store so when I worked there in college we did a ton of repairs Every repair had paperwork we had to do through an app, entering in serial numbers, product IDs, parts used, etc. This was all fine and good, except we had literally dozens of pallets and massive bins of this certain crappy tablet. These tablets were cheap. The company's flagship tablet that was so revolutionary because it ran Windows. Well, these tablets only had three or four product numbers, usually depending on size, and they had only one replaceable part. Motherboards were all in one and cheap as the rest of the tablet and that was the only thing you would replace. If the screen was damaged, you failed it and moved on. Battery damaged? You might salvage a damaged screen one, but you wouldn't document it since it wasn't a new part. Anyway, these things could mass repair or fail out. I could fully break down and rebuild one in six minutes at one point, but the paperwork, even with barcodes taped to my desk and a scanner, would slow me down. Naturally, we had quotas, but between testing, getting parts, doing the swap, testing again, then doing paperwork, you'd get bogged down and usually at the end, miss a few that won't count on that day's quota due to missed paperwork. Paperwork mainly slowed you down due to all the screens you had to go to for each step, just endless navigation, even to fail a unit. So I decided I was in college learning to code. I wrote a VB script to read a spreadsheet where I quickly scanned in the basics, SN, pass fail, product ID, part number, part serial number, etc. I'd do blocks of like 10 tablets, as many as could fit on my desk and shelves, scan them in while testing and such, and then at the end of the day, I'd run the script. It would read the boxes, fill stuff in accordingly, and close the ticket, printing off the pass or fail labels for shipping. I'd match them up to the boxes and ship them on out. Management didn't like it because it wasn't company approved. Mid submitted it to the company, but never heard anything back. So I kept using it regardless because I was turning out the most repairs on those tablets of anyone. Towards the end, I even spread it to a few people I liked and trusted. Taught them how to use it, made sure my work wasn't gone at the end, and could continue saving others from boring paperwork. Yeah, it's funny, I, I can understand where companies have a standard that you're supposed to follow. Routines, standard operating procedures, things like that. I mean, you need some way to keep track of progress, uh, whether things are good or bad. And at the point where people start writing their own scripts and things like that, that's kind of your first clue where maybe your system isn't that great. You know, you can't beat on somebody for being slow when you're the one slowing them down with these weird processes. The Ghost in the Machine This story is one that I always remember because it's taught me to take a look at things a little differently. So a few years back, I worked at a point-of-sale company that provided systems to casinos for their various restaurants and snack areas. 
One such customer called us in a panic that one of their machines was randomly opening the cash drawer in one of their snack areas and they were about to get in trouble with the gaming commission. For those that don't know, all casinos are governed by a casino gaming commission that regulates how money, machines, and other various aspects of the business are run to keep them above board. So off I go, about a one and a half hour drive, out to them to take a look. As anyone who's gone to work at a casino, security is so much fun. I check in with my ID and an issued a guest pass and then had to wait about 10 minutes for a security guard to come and escort me. First they take me to the security camera room and show me the recordings of the drawer opening on its own, both with people around and without. Once I'm fully confused, then I'm shown to the area in question, which is another fun thing. They have to be with you the whole time, no matter how long it takes you. As a side note, for anyone that's gotten this far, I've already ruled out any viruses or hacks purely because the system ran on CE and they would have needed to get past the main firewall and a few other hurdles just to get to these machines. So I show up and go to work on the machines. I start testing things and the drawers pop up just fine. There were two drawers on this machine. All the connections look fine, so I start taking apart the drawer to see if maybe there's a short in the drawer. Of course, as I pull out the drawer, there's three $1 bills shoved at the back, so I have to stop what I'm doing and wait for a second security guard to come and put on a show for the cameras to make sure the whopping $3 is safe. Once that 15 minutes was over, I went back to checking everything out. I can't find anything and I'm completely stumped. And of course, the issue doesn't happen while I'm there, so I tried the only thing I could and swapped the connections on the drawers. I left and didn't even get to the parking lot that it so happens to go off again. But curiously, this time it's the opposite drawer that opened. So now I'm beginning to think it's the machine. But of course, it's out of warranty and we're squabbling about the cost of repair. At this time, I decide to place a call to another tech to pick his brain about the issue. As we're talking, he mentions, what if it's the environment? At which point I pull the line from the title, you mean a ghost in the machine? It was much funnier at the time. So I start looking around and then checking everything, including the power. Now something to note is that we recommend all of our customers to install their systems on dedicated lines so that they're isolated from other items that should be plugged in, including heating and refrigeration units. This is usually denoted by the power outlet being orange. I mentioned this to my colleague and he laughs and told me that often the electricians will cut corners and just add an orange plug even if it isn't dedicated. And not two seconds later the compressor for the soda fountain machine about five feet away kicks on and what do you know? The drawer pops open as well. I burst out laughing because of how simple yet complicated this has to be. If you think about it, there's a tiny surge of electricity that happens every time that compressor kicks on and, and over time it's come to direct the exact right signal to open the drawer. At this point I let my colleague go and advise the customer of the issue. I install a power conditioner and they sign the bill for it, stating they're going to bill it to the original electricians. Good luck. So for those of you out there that have a head scratcher, as we've seen time and time again on this forum, sometimes it's not something obvious and to check the environment because today it might be the machine five feet away. Tomorrow it may be the janitor flipping the power switch tied to the electrical outlet that your boss's machine is on. Story for another time. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've had electricians try to get away with that. And it's not the electrical company, it's just certain electricians. <laughs> on most of the commercial jobs I worked on, you had your master electricians, your journeymen, uh, and your laborers and helpers and things like that. And a lot of times the laborers and helpers were who were learning as they went and going to school at night to be trained to become journeymen and masters, they would get to help install outlets, switches, uh, breakers, things like that. Terminations, because that's part of their learning process. Sometimes they get a little lazy and don't want to figure out which one's the dedicated line, even though they were marked, and just put the orange outlet wherever it seemed to make sense for them in the room. Not sure why, but... 
Whoops. Way back in the old days when I was a developer, I wrote a system to generate statistics and reports from a live data stream. When I was developing it, I had no access to actual live data stream, just the specification for the format it was in. So to test my software, I wrote a small naughty program to replicate the data stream with random data, just so I could check it was calculating and formatting correctly. The program was put into use and the whole department loved it. Fast forward a year or so and I got a request to do some changes. So I called up the original program listing and to my horror discovered I had forgotten to switch off the random data generator. This means they'd been receiving bogus stats for almost a year and nobody even noticed. So I made the changes, switched off the random number generator, recompiled and said nothing. Oh my God. So this company for a solid year was getting false data. I don't know how the company survived, honestly. They must have been, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. How do you justify your numbers at the end of the day with that? Uh, and then all of a sudden everything changes again when this guy comes in and switches everything over. It had to be confusing as all get out. Well, hopefully they were all right. I can't say I have never made mistakes, but I don't think I've ever done anything like that. But eh, stuff happens, right? Spare parts. I had a gig supporting a company's mainframes when PCs first started becoming popular. The IT director, Bob, whose technical expertise didn't extend much past punch cards and paper tape, decided that no one in his empire should ever have a PC that was better than his. We got a new shipment of PCs and of course the first one went on a table in Bob's office. We were pretty sure he never used it because every time we went into his office it was buried under an ever-growing pile of manuals, magazines, memos, and coffee cups. A month went by and someone needed a replacement keyboard. So after Bob went home, we snuck into his office, moved all the crap off his PC and swapped out his keyboard. Then another guy's monitor got a little wonky, so we took Bob's. Within a few months, we had taken the memory, hard drive, power supply, coax card and power cable. Pretty soon all he had left was the empty case. And when the company had the next round of upgrades, Bob was the first in line because he was a power user. Of course he was. Hey, you know what? I don't really care. If there was enough computers to go around and Bob wanted one and he runs the office, then so be it. As long as everybody else that needed the equipment to do their jobs got it, eh. And you still got the replacement parts out of it anyway in the long run, so it's basically just spare parts storage for you guys. Self-starters. I used to work for a hardware support department at an international investment bank. Most white space work is an ongoing refresh project to update most end users' workstations on a rolling three-year cycle. If the department doesn't want to spend the money, however, sometimes they offer just ordering RAM from us or holding off on a hope and a prayer for an extra cycle. One department, we were swapping the boxes for some team that had been in limbo for a while, and when I came to a little waif of an analyst, she stopped me after I said I was taking the box. Usually it's some issue of, I'm still working, you can wait. We did it during the day for back office folks because we can watch them load their accounts and test their apps in front of us. The process takes 10 minutes, but nah, she logged out and shut down, then crawled under her own desk, unplugged the PC, opened it up, and took the RAM out. This is mine. <laughs> Where's our RAM? She opened up a desk drawer, and indeed, two sticks of the ancient unshielded RAM we used were there. Well damn, you know I should probably report you for messing with your computer, but I ain't even mad. Color me impressed. You knew which kind to buy, too. This was easier than getting my boss to approve upgrades, she said. Well, here's our number. Newbox uses the same type of RAM. Call us if you end up bitlockering it. You'll get better results in running it through the hell desk ticketing process. The best end users are the ones you never see. 
On one hand, it's refreshing when somebody can deal with their own issues. On the other hand, when they start getting inside the case and replacing RAM and things like that, that worries me a little. I've seen people try to do some really simple upgrades or repairs and troubleshooting themselves and totally brick a machine before, so yeah, I don't know. I got mixed feelings on that one. Are you sure you want to fire me? English is not my native language, so please forgive any typos. A couple years ago, I worked in a big energy infrastructure company. I worked there for over four years. Starting out as a technician, but because I'm a very IT-oriented person, I soon found myself doing server maintenance and also new server room builds. Because of the nature of the industry in my country, I happened to be one of the few on-site IT support guys in the whole country. Later, I found myself to be the only one, since all the others moved to different positions. I also did regular energy production maintenance because, for some reason, the company felt they didn't need a full-time on-site IT support. About three and a half years to my employment, I was diagnosed with an illness that affected my production maintenance part greatly. In fact, I couldn't do that anymore at all. I won't go into details with this. I could and was still doing the on-site IT support and installation since I was by far the most qualified and also the only one who was doing that at the moment. Our main IT crew was located in another country, but I still made friends with most of them in my years of on-site IT support. At some point, when the equipment was already aged many years, we started having problems with it. I began by having jobs hundreds of kilometers away and also in completely different maintenance areas as well because all the other support guys moved to different positions. I had a colleague in maintenance that I started to take along to some of the jobs just because I really needed some help. Some of the tasks took several days, sometimes even a week of traveling to do them all. He wasn't really qualified for IT, but I thought he'll learn as I teach him. It turned out he actually learned some, but he was also very sloppy and got distracted very quickly. One time he even got himself electrocuted with the mains rail when doing server maintenance, but that's a completely different story. It turned out that the company was not happy because of the illness I had and wanted me out. I could still do the IT stuff completely fine, but since that was not the position they hired me for, they started to give me a hard time. I contacted some of my colleagues abroad and they all said they really needed me for IT support and installations. After some time, the big bosses decided they didn't need me anymore since I wasn't able to do the work they originally hired me for. Let me remind you at this time I was the only on-site IT support guy in the whole country that was qualified to do that job. Some months go by and I was eventually fired. I tried to fight this termination with a union lawyer, with my boss and other colleagues in the maintenance, but with no luck. I had six months left and then I was out. I had no problem doing IT support because my illness didn't really affect that part of the job. Almost immediately after I was no longer working, I started getting phone calls from the colleague I previously tried to train for the same job I was doing. He had his hands full with all the stuff I used to do before, but I could clearly tell he hadn't listened to half of what I told him. He was calling me to ask for the most basic questions of how to do maintenance and troubleshooting. I was dumbfounded that they actually moved this guy to IT support, since he had absolutely no idea how to do it, and I also recall telling my boss that this guy is not fit for this job. After a while, I heard that the local boss, who was a really nice guy and on my side, was in trouble because he had no qualified local IT support for server maintenance and the guys abroad were asking what happened to me and they needed stuff to be done. To this date, they haven't got anyone qualified to do the job and the guys abroad regularly have to travel hundreds or even thousands of kilometers to do maintenance and installations that I previously completed in some hours. I can't see how the company saved money on this. It's crazy how detached most of the management is from the actual work and tasks. Yeah, nothing shocks me about that anymore. I ran commercial construction crews for quite a while. 
and our main company owner, as a general contracting company, had no previous construction background at all. Like none. Not management, didn't swing a hammer, didn't read blueprints, didn't draw blueprints, nothing. This guy knew nothing. And he ran this company. Uh, he ran it okay. It was profitable. But man, it was it was tough going there for a while because he kept making decisions that really didn't work in our field. Thank God he had someone in upper management that really kind of helped steer him in the right direction and babysat him, basically. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.